Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Escafil Files, a book analysis podcast where one diehard fan and one newbie start yet another podcast about Animorphs, the children's book series by K.A. Applegate. I'm Danielle, I use she or they pronouns, and you can find me on the internet at redtailedhawk90, and my co-host is Jade. Hello! I'm, I don't know why I did that voice. I, hi, I'm Jade. You can find me on Twitter at Jade Oxford Rose. As that awful voice may have indicated, I'm English. I hope you won't hold that against me. I use they, them pronouns. <laughs> we'll be making our way through the books one book at a time, analyzing the themes and how they stand up to time, and sharing the experience with our friends on Discord, the link to which you can find in the show notes. Today, we have a returning guest. Welcome Hello. back, Jen. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome. Glad to be back. Uh, oh, right. Intro. So I'm Jen. Uh, I use she/her pronouns, and I don't really have an online presence. I guess you can follow me on Twitter if you want. I don't really tweet, so uh, that's Jenda. That's Z H E N D E one 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 four. If you're interested. Um. Yeah, and I'm glad to be back. Thanks. Yeah. Uh. Today, we are talking about book number 13, The Change, which is a Tobias book. Uh, before we dive into it, we have some book-specific content warnings, because the way that the Animorphs treat the hork is fucking gross. It's bad. It's not good. It's uh, so bad. Uh, so, uh, content warning for treating aliens like they're stupid? It's kind of a double whammy ableism racism thing. Not great. Uh, uh, xenophobic as well. Xenophobic, thank you. Um, some passing sexism because Marco is a jerk in this one. Yeah. Hey, Applegate, why you gotta do my, do the dirty to my my boy Marco like this? I hate it. Every time it pops up, I'm like, why is this yeah. been deemed Almost necessary? everything he says in this entire book is just pretty not good. Yeah. Is, there's a lot of yeah. grossness. He had such a good book last book. Why this? Anyway, I'm out of it. Anyway, we'll uh, try to. Well, I can't say we're going to warn ahead of time each time because it kind of happens all the way through. But uh, we'll uh, be acknowledged. Discuss it it as it goes on. Yeah, if there's any case of us like reading text directly that engages with said things, we'll like. Yeah. Flag it up. Now, before we get underway with this book, dear uh-huh. listeners, I have mentioned this before, and I'm stating this now. Book 13 has been something of an icon in this server since this podcast was birthed. There have been rumors, mutterings of this week to book 13. Jen and Danielle like to exchange comments <laughs> behind spoiler tags about book 13. <laughs> and a I've lot been changes in book thirteen as we uh, on I the run up to like, called what the, f- the change. I'm not saying that you guys were wrong <laughs> to hold it up on such a pedestal, <laughs> but let me tell you, it's somewhat intimidating to go in like, <laughs> "What the fuck is going to happen in book 13? <laughs> like, what the hell?" As it is, it's very good. Aside from all the shitty Hawkbajir content, mm-hmm. which is annoying because there's good the the Hawkbajir stuff in here is really interesting, and I hate the attitude of the kids for the most part. But we're going to get into it. I can safely say, having read it, while I am not fully in 
the depths of Danielle and Jen land on regards to book 13. <laughs> One day I may join them there. One day. Uh, but at the moment, like, maybe my boat is circling the island. I'm like, I'm not ready to fucking land just yet. Is, there's a lot of... Both there's a, a lot of screaming. And a terrible place. Yeah, there's a lot of screaming, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, but it was really interesting to read it and see, oh, okay. And you can see, as I said, the book being called The Change, you can feel like the worldview getting bigger in a way that, and the stage mm-hmm. changing reading this, yes. which is very cool. Oh, yeah, so I suppose we should uh, start talking about it now. But I just wanted yeah. to get in my whole fucking book 13. <laughs> There's a couple of numbered books that have a reputation, and this was one of them. Danielle, we should just pick a random one next to just be like, oh my god, wait until number 27, <laughs> which I can't remember off the top of my head what it is. I don't know. Uh, like, 27, oh, man. 27 is interesting. 27 You're lose is... your mind, and then it'll just be like this really lackluster, like, ghost-written book. Yeah, 27 is The Exposed. Uh, it's the Is Rachel that the book. one with the squid? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that one. That's okay, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so you know the names. I just, I don't, I know them by the covers. I'm like, oh yeah. The squid I know one. the names most. I know, I know the names pretty solid up to like 20. And then from 20 to 30, I'm like, eh. 30 to 40, eh. And then 40 to 50, I have no idea what the names are. Yeah. Let me tell you, friends, if you decide to start a podcast about a book series or a TV show, don't be the one that hasn't seen or read it, because it's just, you get to deal with this shit. (laughs) From well-meaning people that like to giggle nervously, because bad shit's about to happen and they don't want to give the game away, but they have no poker face. Danielle. I mean... Listen, we're just getting closer and closer to books 19 and 20, is all oh, I'm saying. Yeah, we are. <laughs> See, I can now trust nothing either of you say. So that's just great. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Tobias. Let's talk about Tobias. Uh, we open on Tobias in his meadow uh, because he has his own little territory now that he lives in and defends. Um, and he's hunting for breakfast. Um, he catches breakfast, eats breakfast. Dear listener, if you are new to this podcast, Tobias is a bird. I don't know if that's been mentioned yet. (laughs) As you were. I I don't think that someone's going to jump in at book 13, but just in case. You never know. You never know. If the animorphs Uh, have to recap their entire backstory every single time. Yeah, you know what's fair. We should mention Tobias is a bird. I do appreciate. I I do appreciate that we have Tobias's life as a hawk front facing as this Mm -hmm. book starts, Mm -hmm. and then we gradually come into them. We have all that description, and then he talks about being human, mostly, Mm -hmm. Um, and just sort of leaning back in. He like gives us he gives us the us the information. I'm not actually just a hawk right and then we go back into being a hawk for yeah. a little bit mm-hmm. catching catching said breakfast and but it's great just as a uh, device makes us aware he sees a um a magazine that somebody had thrown away and mm-hmm. uh there's a page that happens to be open of a photograph of a classroom 
Mm-hmm. And uh, Tobias muses a little bit on what it was like for him back when he had to be at school or when that was a part of his life, which it isn't anymore. And like this follows on from him saying about how he was uh, bullied by a bully magnet mm-hmm. and got beaten up and that he was from a screwed up, had a screwed up home life. Between aunts and uncles who didn't even remember my name half the time. Like, there's a real escapist quality to that first chap- that opening chapter. Mm-hmm. Like, we've talked before about, like, the kids using the animal brain, the animals as protection when they need it. And mm-hmm. it, it's been a part of, with Tobias's characterization from pretty much the start, is like, did he let himself get stuck in morph on purpose? Mm-hmm. And ever since that point, just like when your human life is that shitty, why wouldn't you trade it? Right. And this whole right. book does a really good job of balancing like the freedoms Tobias feels in this whole way, but also his desire to be part of human life. Right. Again. A lot of him musing on, like, the things that he wants to have again about human life are things Mm -hmm. that I don't think he had. No. Exactly. So it's like a double... Yeah. But it's like... A double wistfulness. Yeah, because now he has friends mm -hmm. that he didn't have before and he wants to be a part of their human life. Right. Because he doesn't get to not be an Animorph. Mm Mm-hmm. And getting to be human and enjoying those little moments would give him a reprieve that isn't being a wild animal at risk from predators. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he he paints a little picture of you know he how if he were human he could just wake up and have cereal in the mornings and you know sit at the breakfast table and go to school and hang out with his friends and then I think at one point he even says you know in his internal monologue. That's not what my life would be if I were human. Like, that's mm-hmm. not what it was. That's not what it would be. Mm-hmm. So he has this kind of idyllic picture that yep. isn't actually real. Yep. Yep. There's so much in, like, I'll get to it later, but there's some real interesting commentary on Tobias's role as well mm-hmm. within the group and how he resents it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, or how he resents, he's limited in it. I should say, yes. Um, a little spot head. But then seeing other people trying to do what Tobias does, and for the most yeah. part struggling with it, and just Tob- and Tobias doesn't even comment on it. And I'm there, just like, no. my, fr- my my good friend. Look, look how much Jake is fucking up. Right, this thing <laughs> that you've been doing all along is difficult and important, and you're mm-hmm. good at it. Like, yep, yep, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know he'd he'd be depressed, so mm-hmm. that, and you know that's yes. fine, that's allowed. He is traumatized and also a burb. Um, but so after <laughs> you ever just be depressed and a bird? <laughs> you ever just be depressed and a bird? Daniel's just like yes, <laughs> I'm familiar. What's it to you? Um, but yeah, device flies off from uh, his meadow. Passes by Axe, uh, who's running around in the forest, having his own breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sort of flies over to the school. Uh, and it's interesting because 
it feels like it was less of a conscious choice on his part. And he thinks maybe it was because of the picture in the magazine. Maybe that's mm-hmm. because, of, maybe that's why I wanted to go there. Maybe it's some all powerful entity being a dickhead. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> but we get a perspec- his perspective on the, uh, the other kids who are in school. I do love this. I love, I mean, his little window, literally window into just the daily lives of the mm-hmm. Anne school because we don't see that too, too often. Yeah. Uh, but it's just very cute. Like Jake falling asleep in class and like Marco being class clown. It's, it's very cute. Mm-hmm. Yep. I appreciate the reminder that Jake is big because regardless mm-hmm. of it not being, I always picture him as like tall and fat and it's really good. Mm-hmm. Even if the art is just like, yeah, we love Jake. We have short King and we have big Jake. And mm-hmm. Yes. Big Jake writes. Big Jake. Uh, and we also get uh, him looking at Rachel. God, she this steps kid is... out into the sunlight and her blonde hair became a flame of pure gold. Yep. <laughs> Have you ever known a person who seems to walk through life with her own private spotlight shining on her? That's Rachel. Tobias, child, <laughs> sweet, sweet baby bird. <laughs> you like her is the thing. <laughs> Not everybody sees that spotlight, kid. <laughs> that's that's a youth thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh but she's walking towards the gym in order to deliver a note for a teacher. Um there's there's a really cute little thing here about like how they communicate when they're, you know. He's a mile above her head in the sky um, where, you know, she just slight nods, small waves um, and stuff like that. It's it's really cute. Um, and uh, Tobias sees underneath the note that she's taking uh, a piece of stationery that is a letter addressed to Rachel about how she has been named a Packard Foundation Outstanding Student um, that has an award ceremony on Monday, the, which is just after the weekend, because today at the start of this book is a Friday. Um, and we get this, this description from Tobias. It was the kind of thing Rachel would have invited everyone to. Everyone but me. I can't exactly go to things like awards ceremonies. Rachel hadn't even told me about it, and I knew why. Um, and it's it's like again that mourning a life that you can't have. Uh, yep. Uh, and there. He he brushes it off, right? He's like, all right, well, I know exactly why she didn't invite me to that. I'm not going to bring it up. It's just going to make things weird. Um, I have this thing I want to show you. Do you want to come after school? She's like, yeah. <clears throat> because he's been doing uh, York Pool mapping in his free time. Where he, <laughs> he just finds all the York Pool entrances by tra- following known controllers. But yeah, he doesn't contribute anything to the group. No, absolutely not. I also want to be let known for the record, in case it wasn't clear, like, 
Katabai says that flying with Rachel is probably the nicest thing the about nicest. being a hawk. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of they start out heavy on the Rachel Tobias front in this book, and I both love it and want to die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You know, the the normal dichotomy of Tobias and Rachel. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, as we get this expanded on about uh, the, te- the the explanation about the law of the Yerks and how it all started, mm-hmm. um, I like how we get the name drop of Alfangor quite early with him because there's always been that n- yeah. that awareness of Tobias having that connection mm-hmm. uh, with Alfangor. That's good. But uh, yes, and the the we move on from there. Just like the the concern about how controllers can be anyone, and the explanation about the need to go to the Yerk Pool and the Candrona Rays. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get our good law dump, and then uh, Rachel shows up in her bald eagle morph, and then just shows off being good at flying. <laughs> Very cute. <laughs> I like God Tobias. So. He's he's showing off because he's more agile in the air, and so he like does this fancy like turn or whatever, and flies by her. You know how hawks court each other. <laughs> I could just picture in my mind's eye Danielle just leaning forward into the microphone. There. <laughs> This has been a bird fact. With that, flirting is hard when you're a bird. You got to do what you can. (laughs) But I also like that. That's very also teenager. Just like I must impress the person I like, and Mm -hmm. this is the thing I'm good at. But I did not know that about hawks. So thank you, Danielle. This is very good. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but uh, we have this this cuteness going on um, and Tobias filling in Rachel on uh, what exactly it is he's been doing and he keeps consistently playing it down mm-hmm. yeah and, yeah. Uh, basically uh, he describes how he follows them and watches them and has now found four separate ways into the Yerk pool besides the one that they already know in the mall and uh, Rachel like is really impressed by this and Tobias's narration is immediately, even though all I'd done was fly around and keep my eyes open. I have a lot of free time, I said. Like, right. Tobias. Friend. My son. (laughs) And because he uh, is forever that good autism vibe, immediately just comes out and says, also like changing the subject because he doesn't like being the focus of attention either. Mm-hmm. It's just like congratulates Rachel on uh, getting the award that he saw mm-hmm. her carrying. And she's just like silent for a minute in that way that I think we all are when we've been caught out. Mm-hmm. And she's, did someone tell you, oh, no, of course not. You saw the letter. Yeah. And Rachel's like apologetic about it and trying to like play this down. She's like, it's not going to be a big deal. I wish you could be there, but really it's not going to be a big deal. So, and it was like clearly just trying to make him feel better. And Tobias immediately does the same. Just like, hey, mm-hmm. no, it, it's fine. It's mm-hmm. not a big deal. Just please don't hide stuff from me because you think it will hurt my feelings. Okay. 
I can't handle you feeling sorry for me. And Rachel says, I don't feel sorry for you, which Tobias intuits as her lying to him. Yep. Which, I mean, we've been in Rachel's perspective on Tobias. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like, she does feel sorry for him. But she doesn't pity him. Right. Right. And I think that's the big difference. I think they all feel sorry for him because he has a difficult situation. Yeah. But Rachel does not pity him. Right. I think that's that's right. Yeah. She doesn't feel sorry for him in the way that he is afraid she feels sorry for him. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we get this gem of Tobias saying, good, because, you know, how you think about me is sort of important. And I, I just, it breaks my heart. She's like, I winced. I sounded way too sincere. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, oh, have I been there so many times? It's like, oh, no, I've given way too much away. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the yep. emotional truth was in my words. I've been oh, way too no. honest here. The mortifying ordeal of being known. Uh (laughs) And then we have this moment, just in case all the uh, shipping overtones you thought were just some (laughs) over-enthusiastic adults that maybe shouldn't be so invested in the relationship between teenagers. Rude. Fuck off. (laughs) Um, To, I mean, what was I thinking? Rachel's a human, a real human. I'm a hawk. You think Romeo and Juliet were doomed just from being from families that didn't like each other? Well, you can't get any more doomed than caring for someone who isn't even the same species. You know, super cash. Yep. Yeah. And then we have yep. this one. He, he, again, playing off. Anyway, congratulations. Now follow me and I'll give you a little tour of the Yerk Pool entrances. And Rachel, on a day no. like this, I'd follow you anywhere. My heart. That's just lovely. Yeah. That's good. Um, and we have this great scene of the two of them flying together and explain what it's like to like go hopping from thermal to thermal. Uh, Tobias explains that the entrance is uh, at the car wash, which Rachel applauds as actually being a clever idea. But as they're flying, um, Rachel is just like, so where are we going? We're not heading to the car wash. And Tobias is like, what? Because <laughs> uh, he's never gotten lost. Right. Um, they're not far from Cassie's farm, and he is utterly thrown as to how why they're there and mm-hmm. thinks he must have spaced out. But And then goes to fly in the right direction, except... They end up right back in the same place. Mm-hmm. And Rachel's like, are you lost? And, and Tobias is like, no, I don't get lost. We're heading just south of east. I know where exactly where we are, but this isn't where I was heading. And Rachel is the one who asks if there's something going on here. And Tobias is about to explain further, but they see um, a hole opening, or specifically yeah. a tree sliding to one side because they're down at the edge of the forest. Mm-hmm. And it reveals a hole in the ground. Um, and they realize very quickly that this isn't a natural occurrence. 
uh, to be fair, Tobias says it's too round, it's man-made. And Rachel's on the point that, oh, well, or, or else not man-made. And this, I will say, is actually one of my favourite descriptions up until the last line mm-hmm. of what a hawk bajir looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really, especially given the explanation we get about hawk bajir anatomy later in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. like a snake-like head with huge forward-swept horns. I saw powerful shoulders and arms that were armed. And arm. Wow, thanks, Ka, for that. Arms that were armed with blades at the elbows <laughs> and wrists. I saw the big Tyrannosaurus feet and the short spike tail and the blades at the knees. And then the line I could live without, which is I saw seven feet of razor-bladed death. Mm-hmm. Um, and which, it is. I a mean, to be fair, Bajir. with their experience of Corkbajir up to this point, yes, like yes. Yeah, I mean, and there's a but, reason we call them, we, I mean, I, I blame myself because I started it. Uh, we call them knife lizards in Dumb Kids. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because that's a lizard with a lot of sharp shit on it. <laughs> knife lizards. <laughs> Were you not aware that we had dubbed the no. knife lizards, Jen? <laughs> no, I was not. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, well, that one was Kel. Okay. I think it was in character I said that first. Oh, yeah, good. character. Because knife lizard is quite fun to say in an Irish accent. So. <laughs> but yeah, Hork Bajir comes out of the hole. And, and, and Jade reading this goes, I remember this plot thread. Fascinating. <laughs> um... But we get a little uh, description on the Hawk Bajir. Yep. Uh, a year a year ago, that name would have made nothing. Uh, if you're going to circle the desk, don't stand on the control panel, please. Um, and we do get the uh, under the uh, making clear in the text that being because they are being controlled by the Yerks, the Hawk Bajir were walking killing machines. Mm-hmm. Fast, incredibly strong, armored, bladed, almost fearless, and how they're basically the shock troops of the Yak Empire. And, and he does mention that Alfinger had told them that they, when they are not controllers, they are a decent, peaceful species. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, um, but then we also to underscore what you were just saying, Jen, about why the kids view Hawk Bajir the way they do. Mm-hmm. Hawk Bajir had come close to killing Rachel seven several times, and a lot. All of us had felt the Hawk Bajir blades at least once. Um, but so he, Tobias and Rachel watch this Hawk Bajir uh, climb out, up, out, out of this hole up a ladder, um, a lot, quickly followed by a second. Tobias observes that they look scared and then an alarm starts blaring. Mm-hmm. And these two Hawk Bajir are running through the forest like their lives depend on it. Mm-hmm. But first, one of them grabbed the other and held it close for a split second. Then, in an instant, they were off and running through the forest, which I is not them. typical Hork Bajir controller behavior. I was so emotionally invested so quickly in these Hork Bajir. <laughs> I love them. I love them so much. <laughs> ah, Danielle's crying already. It's good. <laughs> I appreciate, Danielle, that you took this really good moment and inspired by it. Just like, you know what would make this plot just a little bit better? I'm going to make them gay. <laughs> and they were right. And they were right to do it. <laughs> Let me be clear. I approve. 
<laughs> just like heteronormativity in my podcast, it's less likely than you think. <laughs> Um, but to get to get back to the plot, um, Tobias checks in about uh, how much time Rachel has in Morph. Uh, she's about an hour, so we follow these guys. Oh yeah, because Rachel is absolutely the person want, you want with you when you're uh, doing this kind of job. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so they follow these two hawk running uh, through the forest, uh, who are like literally chopping a path through the woods rather than avoiding them which unfortunately while incredibly fast leaves a really easy trail to follow yeah and they are very much being followed yep by 30 human controllers with machine guns and also dirt bikes (laughs) um i love that the yurks have motorcycles this seemed bizarre even funny the yurks have faster than life spacecraft now they were using dirt bikes Um, and there's immediately a lot of concern because while the hork are faster than the humans, they're definitely not faster than motorized vehicles. Um, and so, uh, the controllers are quickly gaining on the hork and firing on them. Like, mm. it's not just, hey, we need to capture them again. They're just fucking trying to gun them down. Yeah. Um, they just cannot get away. Yeah. They don't care um, about keeping them alive. Yep. And I appreciate that there's this moment, and I what I kind of dig about this exchange is it's not the first time we've seen two of the animals be on the same page without really saying it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rachel's like, this is going to be all over in about 10 seconds. What are we going to do? And Tobias says, you want to help the hawk, you want to help hawk Bajir. She didn't say that. Mm-hmm. But he, because Rachel helps people. Yep. At the end of the day. And she's, she does point out, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. The Yerks want these two hawk dead, so that's good enough for me. Um, and so they thought-speak to these hawk uh, Tobias calls out, and uh, they are understandably wigged out to be hearing yeah. thought-speak. All of a sudden, like, in the middle of their escape. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, like that was their major problem. Um, but yeah, you're about 10 seconds away from being dead. Listen to me and you might get out of this alive. Yeah. And to their credit, they immediately listen. Mm-hmm. Yep. He tells them to like jump left on his count and they do. Um, and they they start following his instructions. Rachel asks if Tobias has a plan, and he's like, fuck no. (laughs) But do you know a safe place for them to hide? And he does. He knows that there is a cave um, that if they can keep them alive until they get to it will be a good place to hide. Um, I love this exchange as they're sort of running through. um, Man, this is a really bad chess game where the other player has all the pieces I murdered. And Rachel's like, you know these woods, Tobias. That's our Mm -hmm. edge. Yeah, we hope. And he always plays down what mm-hmm. he knows. Uh, and, then, and then he gives this, this piece of instruction. Okay, you guys, cut to your right now. There's a ditch, but there are a couple of controllers in your way, so you need to pass the big rock pile then, keeping it on your left. The hork hesitated, <laughs> missed a couple steps, and looked around in confusion. Did you guys hear me? 
They heard you, Rachel said tersely. I think the instructions were too complicated. Oh, great. Okay. In that case, let's play follow the leader. And so he dives down and like shows them how to follow him with the bird. And like this gets brought up as a indication of like, oh, the Hork-Bajir aren't there, that smart. They couldn't follow Tobias's instructions. I had to read this line like three times to be able to understand what the fuck Tobias was saying. Right? And I'm not even <laughs> on panic mode. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And also like English is not their first language mm-hmm. either. Yeah. So it's like their third language. Yeah. Thank you, Danielle, for moving on quickly. So I couldn't immediately do a plug for Fall Leader, which is <laughs> as was my instinct. Um, but Tobias drops down below the tree line, effectively, to literally be right ahead of the Hawkbajir to lead them. Yeah, follow the big birdie, the big brown bird with the pretty red tail. Follow me and stay close. And uh, Rachel is now the one flying cover. Mm-hmm. So Rachel is pretty good at it, to be fair, yeah. from the sounds yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Tobias narrowly gets uh, hit with a shotgun. Mm-hmm. Um, not the only time this happens in this book either. Yep. Um, <laughs> and he's exhausted from the this kind of flying um but manages to keep going yep uh the hork are very good at following him um he says they may not be great at following instructions but they knew how to stay on a target um and he's combination having fun also terrified because like flying through trees at 60 miles an hour is an experience um uh i love at one point he says have you ever flown full ever flown at full speed right through a densely packed forest probably not like no (laughs) tobias i have not thank you i like he says probably not though he doesn't assume you might have more you could be a bird (laughs) you don't know you don't know my life Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but with a helicopter uh coming in uh we have this he has an a quick exchange there's a stream nearby um and asks for the Hulkbajir to signal to him by cutting down the next sapling they come to as they run, uh, if they can swim, uh, which they do, thankfully. So, um, bless. I'm, I'm reading the book as we go, like, skimming yeah. lines. So. Yeah. I appreciate how chill Rachel is um, uh-huh. during all of this. But um, Tobias knows that he's running out of steam. And Rachel points out that they need to get rid of the guys with the guns. Mm-hmm. Uh, because so, there's a truck coming to cut them off and they have guys in the back with shotguns. So we have the Tobias special. Uh, mm-hmm. Both he and Rachel do the dive bomb, attack the face, mm-hmm. move. But in the process, a shot goes millimeters over Tobias's head close enough that he feels the wind disruption by it. Mm-hmm. Just like, Kid, I have grey hairs already, but you're going to give me more. I don't need this. <laughs> Just, I. Uh, but uh, in the process, um, one of the hawk as they follow Tobias, is able to clear the truck and land on the other side, but the other gets uh, hit by uh, the truck. Yep. I like that, the, that Jera straight up just like, 
jumped over a truck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, the second Hork-Bajir gets hit, Hork-Bajir gets hit, and the first one um, gets up and is freaking out. Um, yeah. like, the first Hork-Bajir was up but not running. I was close enough to hear him bellow in a voice full of despair. Uh, and he's calling out Kalashi, um, which means wife or partner or something similar to that. Uh, Tobias is yelling at him to move. And he doesn't want to leave without his Kalashi. Um, and uh, Tobias and Rachel are kind of baffled by this when he translates um, into a word that these two humans would understand uh but tobias basically says look you have to run or you're not going to be good at good to anyone because you're going to be dead um and, and he listens yep i mean to be fair on hearing this this is the moment as soon as we have this voice we immediately start gendering the hawk bajir and i'm there just like that was unnecessary, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they've been gendering, they've, uh, they've been using he, him pronouns for both of the hork the whole time. Like, Marco says in the next chapter, there are female hork Like, of course there are, you fucking dumbass. But, yeah. I'm immediately going back to see how much they actually gender them, but I'll do that later. It's fine. That as soon we get that n- notion there, this wife comment happens, and Rachel and Tobias are like processing that, and we cut to uh, Marco having an equally hard time processing the notion of a hawk pusher having a wife. Yeah, I do like to cut to a brief conversation later that the hawk pusher don't have the same concept of gender, mm-hmm. because like, uh. They ask Jarrett and Kit, so like, how do you tell a male hork from a female hork And they're like, what the fuck warm. does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> I had to just like, well, Jarrett's got two horns and I've got three. The rest is private. Just like, <laughs> yes. It's just like, only hork need to know the rest. I'm just like, yes. Mm-hmm. Good. I like you very much. Yep. Uh, I do appreciate that I say, Nobody really calls Marco out for this until mm-hmm. Cassie does. And even then, yeah. it's not massively calling it out mm-hmm. the bullshit. No, Cassie calls him out on what she's offended by when he says, no one calls him out for talking about the hork this way. Yeah, but yeah. as soon as he says, like, oh, girls can't do this. Yeah. Or she's like, oh, do our female hork bad at this? And Cassie, to be fair, I do appreciate Cassie's dealing with this because basically this whole conversation as it gets to, they're in the barn, they're chatting, Marco is processing. Um, and it's just a whole lot of gendered bullshit that is deeply unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, it's really bad. Do they wear makeup and nail polish? Bad. Like, oh my God. 
It's bad. And like, right, they're like, Rachel's annoyed, but it's just like normal Rachel dealing with Marco. Yeah. I like that for the most part, they just totally ignore whatever the fuck Marco mm-hmm. is talking about. Mm-hmm. They're just like, all right. Yeah. Who and cares about what that, he's saying? Yeah. And there's this brief moment where Marco's like, it's a trap. But I think the real question is. Yeah. And it's just like, and that's where he says, the uh, female hawk, we should get a weird around bugs and snakes. At which point, Cassie reaches into one of the cage, uh, to one of the cages, and throws a snake at him, which is <laughs> fantastic because Marco proceeds to shriek. Yep, and it's very good. Yep, and it's just like a chill little garden snake that's fine mm-hmm. uh, and wouldn't have hurt Marco. To be fair, and Marco laughs as well and complains yeah. that that wasn't fair. Funny, yes. Um, and she's like, okay, well, now I've been embarrassed. Let's uh, have a sensible conversation or a mature conversation, as he puts it. And Rachel's like, yeah, but you'd have to leave. <laughs> um, and Jake is trying to get things back to business, but is also still smiling. Um, yeah. And, and it's mm-hmm, cool. uh, this entire time, like I was reading this and I don't think I had the same reaction when I read it as a kid because I was a kid and it's like, haha, this is really funny. But this entire time I'm like, you left him in a cave and you don't know where his wife is. Please go help the hork and don't yep. continue to joke about whether they wear makeup. Right? Like, let's get some priorities here. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it, it's very clear, even though Rachel and Tobias have heard this hork referred to another hork as his beloved, his wife, they still are acting like the hork are less than people. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's so frustrating to to read because I'm like, these kids are normally better than that. Yeah. And I think maybe it says something to the way war trains you to look at the enemy. Yeah. yeah. To That's dehumanize exactly the people you're say. fighting. Yeah. Going back to what we said earlier, there's, up until this afternoon, their only experience with Hork-Bajir is as warriors, as a threat, as danger. They've all been nearly killed by hork several times. Yep. So I do understand that it, it, it takes a minute to shift that perspective. Like, you know, I can understand that. But it's still it's still pretty gross the way they're talking about it. Yeah. And I, I think we talked about this uh, with the way the kids, you need to do this to, to be able to fight them. I think we've had it not in the last Rachel book, but the Rachel book before, mm-hmm. about how you have to think about the enemy in order to fight. Mm-hmm. Because if you start thinking about all of your enemies as people, then it gets a lot harder. And therein lies the tragedy of war. But but yeah, it, it's again, it, it's so upsetting to read. And as you get perspective and think back, well, this is the situation they are in. And you can understand it, but it still doesn't unfortunately make it less frustrating to read. Yeah. Um but as we, we have this moment, um, Cassie's the one that comments. Oh, well, first off, we have the thing, why would a Yerk want to leave? And Rachel is the one that points out they aren't, that these two Horpagia aren't controllers. Yep. Uh, that they're free. Cassie's the one that points out, oh, it's no coincidence that you happen to be in the area where the Horpagia were escaping. <laughs> and uh, Device is like, yeah, especially as I wasn't even heading there. Uh, and I appreciate that two of Axe's eyes swing to look at uh, Tobias, whilst the other two stay on Jake. Um, 
And Cassie wants to clearly push on that, but Rachel's like, we need to talk, decide what we're doing here. Yep. Right. Back to the back to the plan. Yep. Um, uh, I do appreciate that there's and... this little exchange as Jake's trying to restore things. And to, uh, I remember when Jake used to be fun. Now he's such a grown up. And Jake just being like, I was never fun. How Which I appreciate. <laughs> it's good. And then Mark's like, no, you were never smart, but you were always fun. Uh, so they all kind of look at Axe to see what he thinks they should do, because he's the alien, I guess. Um, and and Axe, does, in theory, know the most about Hawkbajir. Right. Well, he probably does know the most about Hawkbajir, but also he knows the most about the Andalite propaganda version of the Hawkbajir. Ah! <laughs> Sorry, I have so much anger about this. I know. Yeah. Uh, so Axe says, I have never known a free Hawkbajir. They've been slaves of the Yerks for a long time, but it is possible. Maybe somehow, while this Horkbajir's Yerk was in the Yerk pool, the Horkbajir managed to escape. It is possible. His wife as well. In which case, these may be the only free Horkbajir in the entire galaxy. The only two free members of their species. And Cassie is like, imagine being the only two free humans in all the world. Somehow, no one felt like messing around anymore. Even Marco looked thoughtful. If the Yerks won, humans would be no different than the Hork-Bajir, absolute slaves of the Yerk Empire. So what do we do with the only free Hork-Bajir in the galaxy, Marco asked. What does the Hork-Bajir want to do? Axe asked me and Rachel. Rachel and I stared blankly at each other. You know, I admitted, we never ask. Yeah. <gasps> it, mm, it's interesting to me that that was Axe that thought to yeah. bring up what the Hork-Bajir wants. Um, yeah. Yeah, we never asked. Mm-hmm. And they decide, well, that's what they need to do. But Cassie also hasn't uh, forgotten about why Tobias was there when he wasn't mm-hmm. meaning to be there. Right. A thought that is also uh, preying on Tobias's mind. Yep. So do we want to delve into Andalite propaganda now or later? Because there's a lot of it and <laughs> we can talk about it whenever. <laughs> but I'm like vibrating with anger. We can do it now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and now we're going to talk about Andalite propaganda with our very passionate correspondent, Jen. Jen. So, okay, we, we've known since the beginning that all the Horkbajir are controllers, right? The entire species is enslaved. We've known that. Right. And Axe says they've been slaves of the Yerks for a long time. Right. And, you know. I have never known of a free Hork-Bajir. Not, I have never known a free Hork-Bajir. He says, I have never known of a free Hork-Bajir. Implying, mm-hmm. that, like, generations, right? Like, right. they've been enslaved. No, that is not true. Like, we find out later, it's not even a... Like, these Hork-Bajir in this book were born free on the Hork-Bajir homeworld. Yep. It's not even been one full, like, generation of Andalite yep. or Hork-Bajir lifespan. I find that really interesting because I think we've touched on that before. It's just like the mm-hmm. way Alfangor and Axe talk about the conflict makes it sound like it's been going on for such a long time. Mm-hmm. But it really hasn't. No, it really hasn't. It really hasn't. I was getting big like 1984 vibes of like, the hork are slaves of the Yerks. The hork have always been slaves of the Yerks. The hork will always be slaves of the Yerks. When it's like, um, no, there are people alive who remember before that was a thing. 
Yep. But we all just ignore it and pretend that it's always been that way, right? Like, I suppose it's then, easier to justify or to uh, not be public about your immense fuck up. Right. And yeah. to be fair, Axe is younger. So yeah. probably yes. for his entire life, that is true. Yeah, And he talks about later, like, that's what I was taught in school. So I suppose yeah. it's true. Yeah. And it's even like, for Elfangor, yeah. like, Elfangor was uh, still an artist when... Like after the Hork Bajir fuck up, right? So like even don't, Elfangor, don't know exactly how long after that. It was, was like in the seventies ish, right? Um, that the according to um like the Hork Bajir chronicles, right? It's roughly in the seventies, like the sixties or seventies, um. Because not only is it a Vietnam War parallel, it's also set in the time the Vietnam War happened. Um, and the Yerks first discovered Earth in the 90s. And then the invasion really started like when these books started coming out, which was like, like mid-90s. Yeah, mid to late nineties. Um, so it hasn't been that long. It's been like twenty five years. Yeah, like uh, maybe a generation and a half. Not yeah. quite two full generations. Yeah, yeah. Like Axe's parents, for example. Mm. Yeah, remember before a time. Like, remember a time before the Horkjir were captured by the Yurks. Right. Yeah. Oh God, I'm getting like really angry now. <laughs> They probably remember before the Yerks were even a thing. Yeah. The only reason they had Axe is because the Andalites had a, like, war legislation passed right, that allowed right, right. parents to have more than one child so that they could send them to war. Right. Forgot wow. that. Really Thanks looking for forward to uh, reading <laughs> Andalite Chronicles. Oh, oh, the Chronicles. The Chronicles <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, okay. I'm not getting any less angry about this. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose, but yeah, I, yeah, where it comes in later as well, where, and I appreciate getting that brief, the brief perspective that we do get from Jara, and it's making me very excited to read the Hulkbusher Chronicles, I've got to say. Mm -hmm. Though I get the feeling that I will soon be as mad as Danielle is about it, so. <laughs> I, <laughs> oh, the Hulkbusher were done so dirty! Yes. <laughs> Uh, and and I, I I appreciate the, and that's probably what's going to frustrate me because in the, in this book is such a opening of that window just to show you how wrong the kids are about the Hawkbajir and like mm -hmm. what rich in the stuff's going on, and I'm guessing that they don't do much with that. No, <sighs> no, there's uh, I really it's one of my the biggest things that I really hate about this series is how. K.A. dealt with the hork -Bajir. I hate it. I hate it so much. It's yeah. awful. And I willfully ignore it <laughs> because <laughs> it's bad and gross. And it's bad and gross. And there's so much potential there that would be so awesome and is awesome but you have to like say fuck you to canon and i'm fine with that and but i'm just mad that i have to do it right mm -hmm. because 
and I mean, I'm to do it. Yeah, I shouldn't have to do it. And I'm white. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't even. We are not have, the best people to be doing this. I know. Like, I'm upset, and I don't even have the history and the experience to really feel upset about this. <laughs> like, ah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the Hork-Bajir so much. Let, let, let's get back to let's get back to this one because we could <laughs> we could be here all day. We could <laughs> and would be here all day. Um, <laughs> the kids decide that it's going to be Tobias and Axe that uh, talk to the Hork-Bajir, right? Um, and everyone else is going to be in Morph, but nearby to uh, mm-hmm. intercede if we need because they don't want anyone knowing that they're human children. So uh, they arrive, they call through uh, to the Hawk-Bajir, um, and uh, the Hawk-Bajir is deeply unimpressed, to put it mildly, to see an Andalite. <laughs> Which, to be fair, one, Yerk in brain, two, the only other Andalite this Yerk, well, to be fair, given what we know about how the Andalite's fucked up, I'd probably mm-hmm. be pissed to see an Andalite too. But then uh-huh. also just like Vista 3 being the only Andalite face you see on the reg mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Yep. But uh, I appreciate that while, yeah, because this, the Hobbiger goes to strike at uh, Axe. Mm-hmm. And Axe, like, steps back and doesn't immediately retaliate, but is ready mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tobias has to, like, intercede. Um, and Tobias, yep. <laughs> asks what's going on. Tobias is like, oh, nothing much. We're just saying hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> By by the way, is everything clear up there? Because he's a bird and does in, when he can't see what's going on, he gets nervous. Yes. Um. But yes, everything's clear. Yeah. Uh, and the Quarkbajir, uh, there neither Tobias and or Axe want to be in the cave in like small close quarters with somebody yeah. that can do that kind of damage. So they get the Quarkbajir to come on out, and the Quarkbajir immediately just like not Quarkbajir. Uh, Jarahami. My name is Jarahami. Because yeah. no one thought to ask. Because yeah. no one thought to ask. And then, again, and this just, oh, he's kidding. And then we just have Jake mishearing his name and anglophonizing. Yeah. Anglophonizing? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, so we, after that deeply unnecessary moment, Yep. Um, Axe uh, goes to talk to Jara. Yep. And we start to get an inkling of what the deal is between the Hawkbajir and the Andalites mm-hmm. as the air seems to crackle with tension. Mm-hmm. And there you can't is see a- me, but I am just like literally just waving my hands around like a. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, continue. Um, but. <laughs> Uh, Jara refer and this is has already referred to Axe as such once after Axe introduces himself. Is it Haruthin? Haruthin? Yeah. Haruthin uh I kind of mush the first syllable together when I say it, like Haruthin. Mm-hmm. But uh it's an alien word. <laughs> yeah. Um but that is their word for Andalite. Um yeah. it's and- also implied that it's ju- like it's not just their word for Andalite, it's a it's a slur. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, and uh, 
Jara pointedly puts out the Hurathin, uh, or like kill Hawk Bajir, and the Hawk Bajir kill Hurathin. Marco is unhelpful in the background. Um, <laughs> he's just chilling in, up in Gorilla Morph. Yeah. And we see Axe getting defensive. And I love this exchange, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, Andalites tried to save the Hawk Bajir from the Yurks. Axe said, sounding a little defensive. The Hawk Bajir stared at Axe's face. You dark up. You fail. Yes, we failed, but I'm here now and I don't kill Hawk Bajir unless they are tools of the Yurks. Mm-hmm. And we have this great moment of Jara just makes almost like a derisive laugh and just like, no, he's like, no, we're done. About uh, Jara, I mean, has escaped the Yerks. And I, I don't like this weird, poor English yeah. way this is frozen, like the pigeon English, I guess, like. Uh huh dropped words and stuff like that but it's explaining that he is free and that he has his own head and when Axe questions him um, this I was prepared for because of Danielle using this <laughs> but uh, Jarrah proceeds to slice open his own head yep. uh, deep All enough to, to show brain. his brain and just goes look no slug <laughs> which to be fair is a very definitive way of showing <laughs> That there isn't a slug in there. Very convenient. Thank you, Jera. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, it clearly hurts him to do it. Yeah. Um, just like, he holds this wound he's just made open. Ugh. Just like, here you go, look at my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, there's like, axing me right into the hall, which is brain. I guess Jake and Marco could see it pretty clearly too. Um, and he's sort of, no, with them satisfied, holds the wound together and immediately sort of starts to scab over. Yep. I love this little exchange between device and X. Did you see a yerk there in his head? I asked X shakily. No, X said, just as shaken as I was. No yerk. Did that scare the pee out of you, X man, or does that kind of thing bother you, Andalites? I am as peeless as you, device, my friend. <laughs> so good. I love how X just like accepts. Human colloquialisms. Right. Just like, I don't get it, but I've got to work it. with it. Yeah. <laughs> I understand what you mean, even if I don't mm-hmm. understand what you said. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that resolved. Um, and Jarrah explains that he is strong, but he needs help. Yeah. Um, because this, it was necessary to, to show them this way. Because to mm-hmm. us, like, that wasn't necessary. And Jarrah's like, no, it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he needs them to help him. Um, because um, he wants to find his wife, his Kalashi. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have this, he struggled to come up with a word. Then he made a gesture with his hands as if someone was tearing something out of him, as if someone were removing his heart. There was no question what it meant. Even across the huge divide between our species, I could recognize that emotion. You love her, I said. Jarahami loves Kalashi. Jarahami free. And he's just like, I want to believe, I think I believe him. And on that beautiful, genuine moment of connection and understanding, there is, of course, company coming. Yep. I am sad that the Yerks never taught the hork the word for love. I mean, yeah. has any, do Yerks, is this my kind of, do Yerks experience love in that way? I don't know. Give them uh, what we learn about their society and how, like, cutthroat it generally is. 
Yeah, it's a lot some of social instances climate. that jerks in their natural state don't necessarily. That's not a part of their, I don't know, culture. culture and, yeah. Yeah, but we do see instances of jerks in, in like, host bodies falling mm-hmm. in love with each other. I suppose that's all um, kinds of weird and messed up. Yeah, I mean, it's it's frustrating because there's so little portrayal of like aromanticism as anything other than bad, which is mm-hmm. shitty. Um, conversely, I kind of like the notion that the influence of the form that you're in mm-hmm. changes you because we see it with Tobias as the hawk. Yep, right. And the kids when they take on different animals. Yep, and and the notion that you know that you can develop these kinds of feelings that you hadn't done before but that in actually that might be why mm-hmm. the yurks never bothered yeah. teaching that word yeah right well it's... and i mean i who knows if they even actively taught the horpagier english or if it's just mm, they've been true. around it and yeah. the york troops aren't exactly going to be chatting about their love lives so it's yeah. true it's just not something they would ever be exposed yeah. to yeah. and I, I really appreciate the notion of this gesture being and not say performed, but done with gesticulated, they go with such clarity that mm-hmm. it transcends language and species. Mm-hmm. Look, yeah. I'm a romantic in all senses. I, I love love and just like reading that, it's just like, oh, that's the, that's the good shit. But the notion of somebody meaning so is like having a piece of your heart missing mm-hmm. to be gone to, and a- that ache in your chest, just like, that's the good shit. That's right there. That's what I'm about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I find it interesting that this, like, obviously we had it with, I think everybody except, like, we have Rachel do it, we have Cassie do it, and we have Jake do it later, is doing what Tobias does, mm-hmm. is being the scout, being the eyes in the sky. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, and they're clearly helping Tobias, but again, he doesn't register how useful and important what he is or what mm-hmm. he does is. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or the fact that he's actively seeking that information by asking for their perspective on things from up in mm-hmm. the air. Uh, but yeah, the Eriks are here. Uh, there's a lot of people, and also Hork-Bajir controllers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not even dark, and they're bringing the Hork-Bajir out in the open. Uh, mm-hmm. They really, really, really want to capture Jera. Yeah. Um, and the kids are also under the pressure of, again, their human lives. Just like It's getting to the point where they're going to be missed as well. Mm-hmm. So it's just like an added degree of pressure yep. in that moment. Yep. And then uh, they realize like it's bad timing. What do they even do here? Like, Yes, they can turn into animals and go away, but wouldn't do anything to help Jara. Right. Uh, Jake suggests, points out that they need a distraction. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tobias having a dangerous idea and the danger would all be on someone else, not him, mm-hmm. suggests that somebody acquire Hawk Bajir Morph. Yeah. And then Marco, again unhelpful, says, Morph a Hawk Bajir? Ew. Why? Why you? Why you? Why you? Um, and we know that Marco is the most disinclined to acquiring new morphs most of the time, anyway. Mm-hmm. But still, unnecessary, gross. 
Um, Cassie objects because Jara is sentient and self-aware, to which point Jake points out Axe has morphed him and Cassie has morphed Rachel. And she's sort of like, I'm just saying we have to get his permission. Yep. Rachel so. immediately volunteers. Because of course she does. Because it's what she does. Um, Axe, I appreciate Axe like, no, I should do it. And just like, Rachel's like, no way. I have dibs. <laughs> dibs? I spoke first. <laughs> just like, Axe, let it go. <laughs> uh, and Axe asks the hork if uh, it's okay if one of his friends morphs him. To trick, um, in order to trick the ex. <laughs> in order to trick the Yerks, do you agree? Jeremy hates Yerks, the big hork said. Like, that was all the answer he needed to give. Uh, and then they make him turn around and close his eyes because they don't want him to know that they're Rachel's humans or to yeah. see that they're humans because realistically what they're worried about is the Yerks recapture Jera and then see through his memories yeah. uh, that they are human. Um uh, which, on the one hand, is insulting because, like, Hork-Bajir's not dumb. If you were just an Andalite, you would just fucking morph in front of him. The Yerks aren't True. dumb. Yeah. They would notice. Uh, but they're children, so sure, I, mean, I, I guess. I guess you- yeah i mean if they let him see them as human then there's no doubt if yeah. he doesn't actually see them then you know they could still yep. make the case that the yurks might mm-hmm. put two and two together but couldn't be a hundred percent sure so i mean i i get yeah. it i yeah. guess but but yeah. yeah you're right it does seem a little obvious if you think about it from a yurk perspective like I never actually saw these andalite bandits even though they were there the entire time yep <laughs> We saw one Andalite. Mm-hmm. The same one we see every time. <laughs> huh. Weird. <laughs> and it is like using um, your enemy's arrogance against them is always mm-hmm. like, I think, as you've said yeah. before, Danielle, just like Vissa 3 being so fucking Vissa 3 about it mm-hmm. is one of the greatest assets the kids have. It is. Yes. Yes. Vissa um. 3's incompetence is very important to the success of this series as a whole. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, so Tobias is like Wibbly because he hates that he's not the one doing this. Because and he hates it- even more that Rachel's mm-hmm. the one doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would have given anything to be able to go in her place, but I can't morph. I would be safe in the sky or in the trees while she was trying to outrun the enemy. It was the story of my life lately. My friends went into danger and I stayed safe, all because I couldn't morph. Now, Tobias, I hate to break this to you to destroy this sort of self-illusion you're going now, but we've been <laughs> reading these books with you in, and you put yourself in danger all the fucking time. I Constantly. Non-stop. And you can't morph! <laughs> you can't yes. morph. You're you have one body. You into danger. You are literally Arguably in more danger because you can't morph. You like, dive bomb faces constantly. On the reg. Like, God. <sighs> but anyway. Um, anyway. Anyway, Rachel uh, fully demorphs uh, and um, acquires uh, Jara as a morph. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Cassie's like, well, this needs to happen faster because we are closing in. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate that Rachel gives Tobias a cocky wink, as it's described. <laughs> um, and she morphs Hawkbajou. Yep. And it's dope. Yeah. Um, all these blades start popping out. Uh, and Rachel's like, so this is a Hawkbajou. Yeah. And then we uh, have this moment where, because obviously we're not in Rachel's head right now, we don't know mm-hmm. what it's like to interact with the hawk instincts, but we have this moment of a little ritual moment between Rachel and Jara. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, uh, they're dance fighting. And it's good, like, I appreciate that Tobias is the one that figures out what this is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see this kind of thing all the time in nature. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, so I was like, Rachel, you good? And she's just like, oh, um, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, explains that she doesn't get the thoughts or memories. I don't know if that's something that gets retconned later. Mm-mm. Okay. Um, but has got a bunch of the Hulk-Bajir instincts. Uh, mm-hmm. They tell Jared to hide. And uh, it is time to uh, to do the uh, the lead him on a merry chase. I appreciate this. The one mo- possibly thing that Marco says in this book that doesn't piss me off. Um, <laughs> as Tobias is like telling Rachel that she can back out, she's like, I bet you 10 bucks. She says, let's do it. Rachel turned her snake-like head towards Marco and grinned what I think was a hawk grin. Let's go for it. <laughs> oh, man. Marco complained she cheated. <laughs> that is good. That is like... That can stay. Yes. Um, um, but yeah, so uh, some human controllers crash into view. Marco <laughs> taps one on the shoulder, uh, taps one on the hawk uh that was just approached, and uh, lands a punch that would have split a telephone pole. Yeah. Um, and uh, the kids are just proceeding to chase the controllers at this point. Four humans, uh, two hawk uh, but Cassie informs them that uh, they're leading them into a trap. Uh, so they turn around. Tobias, at this point, is riding on one of Rachel's horns on top of her head. Um, for no reason other than to put himself in unnecessary yeah. danger to feel yeah. better. For literally no reason. It There's serves no purpose. absolutely nothing he can do. Yeah, and it, then- He's honestly doing less by yes. sitting on her head. Yes. And like... And this, like, they fall, like, Rachel trips and Tobias gets stuck in a juniper bush that he can't get out of. And she has to cut him out. And she, yeah. And, yeah. uh, and as she, he goes to sort of land back on her, he finds himself flying up through the air again. Mm-hmm. About a mile away from the others, or a quarter mile. <laughs> um, and he, winds up sort of over a meadow, the territory of another hawk, mm-hmm. um, and sees three humans surrounding a single hawk bajir, and he's worried for a moment that it's Rachel, um, and sees that one of the human controllers surrounding this uh, hawk bajir is morphing. Yep. Visser 3 is here. Visser 3 is always here. <laughs> uh... The others are too far away for Tobias to call to for help. So it's just him and uh, the other Hork-Bajir, whose name is Ket Halpak. Uh, 
versus Visser 3 and two other humans with guns. I just, the, we have some quality Visser 3 monologuing being. Uh-huh. It's like, well, well, Kit Halpak, that is your name, isn't it? Your original Hawkbashir name? Just like, shut the fuck up, you douche canoe. Um, <laughs> you've run us a nice chase, but it's time to come home now. And that's just something. One, I, I hate the dismissiveness. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. point. He's the bad guy. Yeah. But like the dismissing of Ket as a person mm-hmm. and like that name and just like that notion of coming home. So. Yep. Yep. Uh, but Tobias has an idea. Uh, this is the territory of another hawk. So he flies up and cries out. Uh, which baits the other hawk to come out to defend its territory. I do appreciate this utilization of it, just like, oh, I know what I'm going to do here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but when the, the Swainson's hawk comes out of the trees, the other the controllers in Visser 3 are like, oh, look, it's an anamorph or an andalite. Uh, mm-hmm. Quick, attack it. It must be one of them. Uh, so mm-hmm. the human controllers all turn to aim at the Swainson's hawk. Uh, and Visser 3, bless his evil heart, turned his stock eyes toward what he thought was a threat. I love that so much. <laughs> bless his evil heart. Uh, See, and Tobias dive bombs. You gotta love a good baddie. Like, yeah. This is, yeah, this is a good yeah. play. Just like, oh, like you said, bless his evil heart. That's just, mwah. Yep. I mean, as a as someone from the U.S. South, like, mm-hmm. bless your heart is such a loaded phrase, and I just mm-hmm. love it here. Mm-hmm. Uh, applied to V3. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, Tobias gives the warning out to, uh, I've lost Ket. the name again, Ket. Um, says, like, I'm a friend of Jara's, get ready. Fucking does his usual dive bomb and strikes Visa3's exposed stalk eyes. Um, and use the moment to run. Yep. And the Swainson's hawk is fine. Yep. It'd be clear. Um, and yeah, but then he and Kat are just running. Um, it's just like bird boy shoots, he scores. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get the reunion and it's really cute. It's so good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, everyone's like getting close to their limit and couple of them friend about getting home but Tobias like acknowledges that it's kind of sweet seeing the two Hawkbajir together they didn't exactly hug I guess hugging wouldn't work all that well when you have blades all over um, but observes that Ket does touch the healing wound, wound on Jara's head mm-hmm. just uh. but um so the question is what are they going to do so it's line uh, Jake, like, what do we do about these guys? He was still in Tiger Morph. There were scratches and cuts on his sinuous orange and black fur. While I was off rescuing Ket Halfak, there had been a skirmish between the rest of my friends and some controllers. No one had been hurt, but once again, I wasn't there where the real fighting, when the real fighting started. And just like, oh my Tobias, God. you were you doing literally, important things. You, you literally dive bombed Visser 3. And <laughs> while I was off rescuing Ket Halpak, not like while I was off having a nice fly, while I was off preening my feathers. No, you were rescuing Ket. Like, you were yeah. doing important things. I suppose yeah. it comes back to, like, one, I know somebody, one of 
uh, we commented in the chat about like imposter sy- syndrome mm-hmm. with Tobias and how he can't morph. And I think it's come up before, just like what Tobias views as important mm-hmm. to the fight. And because it's a war fight, the fact that he doesn't fight in the way that the others do, mm-hmm. he feels right. lesser because he feels like he's not putting himself in harm's way the same way. Yeah. Yeah. I think I said it in the notes on the doc somewhere. Like he is always 100% focused on everything he can't do. Yep. That the others can. And he never, ever, ever focuses on all the things he does do that the others can't do. Yep. That's why I appreciate like seeing the others do the Tobias role in this mm-hmm. book and various morphs. Just even if he isn't consciously acknowledging his role, he can see when other people are doing it. Mm-hmm. Yep. But um, uh Everybody says that they have to go home. Uh, Tobias says that he'll keep watch on these on the Hork-Bajir, Um and Axe is going to help. Um, and Jake says to the to Jarrett and Ket that they have to stay in the cave until they come get them tomorrow. Um, and Jarrett asks what the Animorphs plan to do with them, and Jake says we don't have a fucking clue. <laughs> And they're just like, we'll wait. Uh, we'll wait here. Uh, and Ket thanks them both. Um, and outside, uh, everyone demorphs. Um, and Jake's like, all right, what are we going to do? <laughs> um, as they, they walk out of the woods. Um, Rachel points out that they have two real live aliens they could take them to the media um and axe points out uh there's already a real live alien among you uh and one the humans probably wouldn't believe it because they they're all sorts of humans invent Mm -hmm. shit all the time and never believe it um and two I'm pretty sure they were concerned at some point that if they showed Axe off, the government would spirit him away and do experiments on him, mm-hmm. which isn't wrong. Oh. Um, <laughs> hmm. um, yeah. And also, they don't know which newspapers and TVs are already infiltrated by the Yerks. Yeah. But I, I do like this exchange because you can kind of see how the other Animorphs are st- already view Axe as a person. Right? Yeah. Obviously, mm-hmm. he is not human clearly, but they do see him as a person, and they don't yet see the Hork-Bajir as people. Yeah. Right? Like, oh, we have aliens! Uh, yeah, you've had aliens since book four. Like... Yeah. Yeah. But it was never even brought up to go parade Axe off in front of the media. Yep. Ugh, gross. I hate it. Uh, and then the worse... Mm, more gross. Worse bit gets worse. Uh, Axe points out uh, they may be the only two free Hork-Bajir in the galaxy um, in existence. Uh, and Cass compares them to members of an endangered species. Uh, maybe the last hope of their kind. Uh, and Jake points out they're an endangered species. What do you do with an endangered species? And Cassie shrugs, answers, honestly, I don't necessarily put this on Cassie. But it's gross. Uh, you find them a safe, protected environment, and then you hope they have lots of little Hork-Bajir and somehow the species survives. They're people! 
It's yeah. This is first so part, yes. Gross. You find them a safe, protected environment. Yep, on board with that. Good plan. Beyond that, mm, nope. They're people. Yes, they're people. Not animals. <laughs> yep. I mean, humans are peep are animals too, but like, mmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You wouldn't say this about humans. Nope. You thought it was gross when the Elemis proposed it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Maybe. That's a good point. I didn't even make that connection. Yeah. Yeah. This is exactly what the Elemis did. They hated it then. Don't hate it now. Mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah, good point. So Marco points out to that that there isn't a safe place for an alien that looks, to be fair, like a mix of a gargoyle and a lawnmower is actually <laughs> kind of funny. I will let that go. Um, but Tobias uh, immediately pops up with saying that there is. That he knows a place up in the mountains, uh, a valley, uh, a picture that's incredibly clear in his mind with a wide med- uh, a waterfall, trees that block out the sky in some areas, a wide meadow. Uh, and in his mind, he can imagine the place being a home to the Hawk-Bajir um, and suggests that they take them there. And, um, and like Marco says, like tomorrow we can worry about taking Adam and Eve Hawk Bajir off to Tobias's Garden of Eden. It's like not a bad description. I thought that was a little what the valley was like. I could see the place as clearly in my mind as as any place I'd ever been. There was just one little problem. I'd never been there. I'd never actually seen it, and I had no idea where the lovely pictures in my head had come from. You know. You know. Normal things. Normal things. Then <sighs> we've got some more uh, introspection. Prince Vice talking about what his nights are normally like. Mm-hmm. Uh, how he stays hidden, uh, away from predators, how he has to keep an eye out for raccoons. This is what we call uh, the Schrodinger's raccoon, I guess. Not Schrodinger's, Chekhov's raccoon. Um. <laughs> Because uh, he can at least hear a raccoon coming. Mm-hmm. But um, just like his worries about owls and how they're the thing that makes him the most nervous. Um, and we got this great line, which I really enjoy. like, if you asked me what I think of being a red-tailed hawk, I'd give you two different answers depending on the time of day. When the sun is up and the thermals are piling up the tall clouds and I'm riding the high breezes a million miles above the humans who crawl along below me, well, then I'd say it's great. But at night when I cower on my branch and peer half blind through the leaves at a cold moon and can only listen to the sounds of the night predators doing their work, well, that's different. Mm -hmm. And tonight he's not even in his normal tree because he's guarding the Hork-Bajir. He's out of his normal territory in an unfamiliar tree and he's jumpy. So he's trying to sleep, but he's not doing a good job of it. Uh, he tries to remember what it had been like to sleep in a bed at night, but he can't remember. He can only imagine what it's like for the others. Um, and uh, has a moment where he does just that. You know, he thinks of all of them snug in their beds with the covers and the pillows and all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then X uh, shows up. I like this little. Uh- it starts with a nice little exchange, just like uh, Tobias complimenting him, acts for being quiet. Mm-hmm. 
you know, considering how big he is and acts like one day I'll show you. And just like, ha, huh, right, and egos may fly out of my butt. Is that possible? Axel, sounding alarmed. No. See, that's why it's funny. I understand, Axe said, clearly not understanding at all. <laughs> um, and he comments that nights have gotten better or a bit mm-hmm. better since Axe joined the group um, and how it's good to have somebody to talk to because mm-hmm. uh, the other forest animals don't have much to say. Um, and then we get some uh, a little bit of uh, observa- uh, Tobias observation that the Hawkers have been talking mostly in their own language, um, but comments that they even use some English. Why is that? And then mm. eh, we get some Andalite bullshit that is not unique to Andalites, but you know, mm-hmm. um, talking about how the uh, and. It is described as he's talking with a hint of snobbery mm-hmm. and that he learned in school, which, to be fair, he says, I suppose it's true, not mm-hmm. which makes it true. Right. Um, but that the spoken language of the Horbourge is pretty limited in his yeah. awareness. Um, I'm adding spoken language here. It just says their own language. Um, and it's a way of keeping the Horbourge under control. I suppose, but for Judy on Earth, the Irks probably thought they'd be able to speak a few words of a human language. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tobias observes that he keeps hearing the two Hopers are using the word uh, kawatnosh mm-hmm. or something like that. And Axe admits that he doesn't know the word, but he'll ask them. And says, like, maybe you shouldn't. They don't see, and because Axe says he'll follow it up. And she's like, maybe you shouldn't. They don't seem to like you, Andalites. And Axe is like super defensive. Mm-hmm. We tried, we failed, but we did try. We Why tried do they to hate save us? Them from the Yurks. I wonder yeah. what they're taught. I would and love I, to. I really wish Axe would say more. Like, I yeah. wish we knew what he knew or what he thought he knows, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah. What is the Whatever. Andalite version you know of I mean? history? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, what, what does he learn about what yeah. happens? And as, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Sorry. No, I don't know whether more anger. Yeah, fair. I don't know whether Tobias is like trying to deflect her and it's just like I don't know, Axman. Maybe they've had Yerks in their heads for so long they've just absorbed the Yerk hatred of Andalites. And it's just like, yeah, well, the Yerks should hate us. We're going to defeat them in the end. And of course, you humans will help too. <laughs> Tobias going, I like Axe, but he's a bit arrogant about his own species. <laughs> yeah, yeah, drinking um, the Kool Aid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but Axe says he's going to go patrol again. Um, asks Tobias if he thinks he can lead them to the valley. And Tobias asks if Axe has ever experienced information just popping into his head and not knowing where it came from. And before we can dwell too much on that, uh, Tobias just has this awareness that uh, there are taxons nearby. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can see them in his mind. It's not like he's actually heard them with his ears or spotted them. Mm-hmm. Um, and Axe is like, yo, Tobias, he doesn't. He sounds more concerned. Uh, and Tobias is like, there are taxons coming. And Axe is like, there aren't any nearby, but he's mm-hmm. ready to fight. And Tobias is like, I know they're coming. Mm-hmm. And she's like, hey, Axe, you know what I was just talking about knowing things I couldn't possibly know? <laughs> Um, and explains that there are a dozen taxons coming. Somehow they can smell the Hogwarts like bloodhounds. And uh, Axe explains about taxon trackers, where they can sense warm flesh from miles away. 
which is delightful. Um, <laughs> it's like, how did you know that? How did you know taxon trackers hunt by smell? I don't know, Axe. Um, and Tobias is pissed because mm-hmm. someone or something is using him. And our kid doesn't have a lot of agency, generally speaking. So, you know. Yep. Yep. And Axe realizes that if there's no way to throw the taxons off the scent, they're going to have to move yep. uh, uh, Jara and Ket. Yes. Like, ASAP. So, because they're not they're not just throwing taxons at them. Like there's going to be Hork-Bajir backing them up. Right. Um, yeah. So Tobias sends Axe to go tell Jake what's going on. Uh, meanwhile, he's going to get the Hork-Bajir moving, um, and basically tells Axe, "Just come in, bird of prey morph. You'll find us eventually." <laughs> <laughs> Almost uh, like being a bird of prey is useful. Yeah, you know. Almost. Uh, there's nothing raptor eyes can't find. Mm-hmm. Um, and but, so... Um, yeah, they head off into the darkness. Yep. Uh, he... Jara and Ket are nervous, understandably, but they got to move. Yep. Uh, Ket points out that like it's really dark out <laughs> and they mm-hmm. can't see. And mm-hmm. Tobias is like, yep, well, it's not going to stop the taxon, so let's just go. Yeah. Uh, Tobias is riding on Jara's horns. Mm-hmm. Um, and I appreciate we have a moment of t- Tobias brand sarcasm when Jara mm-hmm. asks where they're going. Because mm-hmm. I guess the little voice in my head will tell me. And then Jara just like snorts like that. Makes sense. Goes, my head voice told me to run. <laughs> and Tobias is like, what? <laughs> um, and Jara explains that when he was at the Yurk pool and the Yurk. Was in his head, went into the pool. A voice in his head told him to run and which way to go. And Tobias, like, you're saying the idea just popped into your head to run away. And Jared's like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> run, take care, run and be free, run from the Yerks. And when Jarrah asked how, how would they be free, the voice in his head said that he would send a guide or I will send a guide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Tobias like, what? Head said, run, Jeremy. No, that last part about a guide. Head voice say, I will send a guide. <laughs> and Tobias is just increasingly so pissed. pissed. <laughs> he's yes. so pissed. And he's just like, okay, time out. Stop, stop moving. Out. I said time out. We're not going the fuck anywhere until I figure out what the fuck is happening. <laughs> I like how Jarrah's like, uh, but the taxons, and Tobias is like, nope, not until I get answers. This parade stops right here. <laughs> By the time he gets to say answers, he is in a, he was just floating. Mm-hmm. Uh, in light, his ambient blue-green light, Tobias like, one thing's for sure, I'm not in the forest anymore. And guess which motherfucker is here? <laughs> <laughs> Our, our dear friend, the non-meddling, non-interfering, 